0: Welcome to The Catholic Perspective, a podcast brought to you by rcspirituality.org. Enjoy the episode. Some names possess astonishing beauty. And of all Mary's many titles, one of the most thrilling is Mother of Mercy. It's a name we can relate with easily. Every mother embodies mercy and compassion. And the mother of God must do that even more powerfully than other mothers. It's no accident that Pope John Paul II, who was so instrumental in promoting the message of divine mercy, was deeply devoted to Mary. In fact, the motto of his papal coat of arms was totus tus, all yours, which is taken from St. Louis de Montfort's act of consecration to the Blessed Virgin Mary. But why is Mary the mother of mercy? One answer is that she's the mother of Jesus, the mercy of the Father made incarnate. Another is that she always points out our needs to Christ. Think of the way she interceded for the couple at the wedding at Cana. However, there's another reason, too. Mary is the mother of mercy because she received God's mercy in a unique way. Yes, Mary was conceived without sin. But the Immaculate Conception itself was a gift of God's mercy. As Pope Pius IX put it, the most blessed Virgin Mary, in the first instance of her conception, by a singular grace and privilege granted by Almighty God, in view of the merits of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the human race, was preserved from all stain of original sin. Because Mary was, and is, so aware of the tremendous gift of divine mercy, she's also able to help us accept it and share it. old Eve. The fathers of the church described Mary as the new Eve. The first Eve was meant to be the mother of all the living who handed on a friendship with God to her descendants. But there was that incident with the forbidden fruit in the Garden of Eden, and things went awry. Mary, then, is the new Eve, the mother of all those who are redeemed and live a new life in Christ. If anyone is unworthy of mercy, it would seem to be Eve. Well, Adam is right up there, too. After all, she lived in paradise, and all she had to do was obey God in order to keep it for the rest of us. But she didn't. Remember, though, divine mercy is a gift. None of us deserves it, not even Mary. What would happen if Mary met Eve? And what lessons could we learn for our own lives from such an encounter? The Meaning Sister Grace Remington provides a beautiful interpretation of what that meeting would look like in her drawing, Mary Consoles Eve. Before we continue, take a moment and look up Mary Consoles Eve on the internet. Let's consider its various elements. First of all, let's look at the scenery. Mary and Eve are standing before a doorway made of living trees, which could be the entrance to a garden. Actually, Gate of Heaven is one of Mary's titles since she leads us to Christ. Perhaps the garden refers to the Garden of Eden, which is restored to all of us in the garden where Christ rose from the dead. The trees are ripe with fruit. Life is bursting forth everywhere. But Eve is still clutching that small, sorry apple. She presses it to her heart. She's afraid to let it go and receive the gift that God wants to give her. Isn't this the perfect depiction of sin? I don't trust God to make me happy, and I try to grasp happiness for myself. I know that sin makes me miserable, and yet I'm afraid to let it go. It's like Gollum's precious in The Lord of the Rings. Sin torments us, and yet it's so hard to let it go. She's disheveled and ashamed, afraid to look into Mary's eyes. She's longing to look up, and yet she doesn't dare. Isn't that our experience sometimes too? Am I ashamed of being a sinner? Am I ashamed to let myself be seen? She has some sort of band around her head reminiscent of a crown, but it seems to be a mockery now, a pathetic tribute to the glory she threw away by her sin. And Satan, the accuser, is there. The snake wrapped around Eve's leg reminds us that Eve is caught. But Eve is not alone. What can we learn from Mary? In one hand, Eve is still grasping the apple, but Mary has taken her other hand and is pressing it to her womb. Mary is pregnant. Divine mercy is about to be born into the world. God wants to be that close to me, a sinner. Can an apple really compare to a relationship with Jesus Christ? Mary's right hand is caressing Eve's face. That's a physical expression of what's on Mary's face. Look at the love and the tenderness on her face, and especially in her eyes. Finally, do you notice what Mary's doing to the snake? She's crushing its head, and yet she's not even looking at it. She's looking directly into Eve's eyes, as though to say, don't worry, God is greater than sin. He can take care of this. Mary is also crushing the snake's throat. Satan's lies are silenced. And finally, although the snake's tail still encircles Eve's leg, the coils are starting to slip off. We continue to experience sin's effects, but Jesus is truly setting us free. For me. Here are some lessons for our own lives. First, we are all sinners. Welcome to the club, it's called the human race. St. Paul himself said, I am the greatest of sinners. Can we really pretend we're any different? And yet when we acknowledge our sinfulness to God, it sets us free. We no longer have to be perfect as we imagine perfection. We only have to accept his mercy. Second, draw near to Jesus. The church gives us the sacrament of reconciliation. Let's use it. We actually have another retreat guide dedicated entirely to that sacrament. Eve needed to be close to Jesus in order to experience mercy, and the same is true for us. Christ is waiting for us in the Eucharist. Perhaps we could resolve to attend daily mass several times a week and dedicate a specific time each week to Eucharistic adoration. And remember, Christ is the one who invites us to come to Him. He wants this even more than we do. Third, we need to let go of that apple. What is it for me? Maybe it's something large, like some habitual serious sin. Or maybe it's a subtle attitude, like a prideful disposition towards others. Either way, let's ask the Holy Spirit to help us to know what it is and why it has such a grip on us. Ask to see it through God's eyes. Remember his vision of us is so positive. When God looks at us, he sees the saints we were created to be. A daily examination of conscience is essential for this. We have several books about how to do the examined prayer in the recommended reading list at the end of the retreat guide. Fourth, God is greater than sin. When the weight of sin, my own or others, burdens me, I need to recall this truth. It becomes a habitual outlook, tying into what St. Paul calls the hope that does not disappoint. The snake's coils are still wrapped around Eve's leg, but they're slipping off. My true identity is not sin. My true identity is a beloved child of God in Jesus Christ. Fifth, ask Mary for help. She's our mother of mercy. She helped Eve accept divine mercy in the drawing we just saw. And she'll help us to do the same. Mercy received. Mercy poured out. There's one last point, though. Mary received divine mercy, and she doesn't keep it for herself. She shares it with Eve. God has mercy on us. We're called to be merciful to others. Mary doesn't berate Eve. She doesn't say, you really messed up. You may as well abandon any hope of forgiveness. Nor does she say, what you did doesn't really matter. Neither approach is merciful. Instead, she brings her to Christ. Remember, sin is above all an offense against God. And yet God, the one who is offended by my sins, is merciful to me. And if I've been forgiven so much, how can I refuse mercy to others? But what if they don't ask for forgiveness? Christ on the cross gives us the answer when he prays, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Those who brutally killed the Son of God didn't request forgiveness, but Jesus offered them mercy nonetheless. It's also important to recall that when I forgive those who sin against me, I'm not condoning their actions. I'm entrusting them to God's mercy, and as I do that, I'm bringing them to Christ. But when I refuse to be merciful to others, I also close myself off to mercy. What happens to a river when the water doesn't flow anymore? It becomes a stagnant pond. Mercy is like water. If it doesn't move on to others, it languishes. When it's shared, it becomes an ever greater source of joy for the one who shares it. You have been listening to The Catholic Perspective, a resource from rcspirituality.org. Please visit our website and check out more great resources to help you pray, learn, grow, and go. Please join our team of digital missionaries by subscribing at rcspirituality.org.